This morning, part two in the Believe series. Last weekend, I talked about I believe in God. Well, this morning is probably the most sobering message that I could preach. I've tackled it a few times in almost 16 years. But God took me to new depths this week of uh, preparation all the way up to through midnight last night, continuing to study, trying to get an angle, trying to see what his heart is. And uh, this is a subject that uh, I, I really don't want to talk about. But I told you a long time ago that I am a preacher of righteousness and I must preach the full counsel of God. Not partial, not the parts I like. Oh, and there's so many things I like in Scripture. But I've got to preach the full counsel. And, and the thing is, today, the reality of hell, you're going to say, oh, man, Pastor, you sound like a Southern Baptist hellfire and brimstone preacher. Okay, good. Because what's happened is people in the likes of Rob Bell and others that I have so many of his DVDs, he has an incredible mind, creative, Greek scholar, but he went on this crazy tangent here a while back and he got into universalism and he began to discount hell and hell's really not what, we, what Jesus talks about and on and on and you got, you know what, I've got to speak about truth. In a recent American survey, 76 of Americans, 76% of Americans said they believe in heaven. But listen to this. 6% in that survey said they believed in hell. And you see, hell... Jesus talked about twice as much as he did heaven. And you see, it really didn't make a lot of sense if there wasn't a hell, then why did Jesus come and pour out his blood and, and rescue us from this planet if there wasn't a place called hell? And the church said. So I've got to tell you, let me tell you, this is frightening. It's, not un, it's uh, uncomfortable, but I think it's meant to be. And here's the truth today. There are people we know right now, they're in hell. It could be friends, family members, acquaintances, colleagues, classmates, but hell is real. So this morning, I'm hoping if you're like, wow, man, that's like the worst introduction you've ever done. You didn't even make me laugh. Didn't want to make you laugh. I want to make you shudder because hell's real. And without Jesus Christ, without a belief in the Son of the living God, we won't escape it. So this morning, uh, some people say, I just live up, I'm in denial. I'll, I'll just denial hell. I just deny it because if I don't think about it, it's like the people that don't think about death. I just don't want to think about death because death is not a happy scene. But, but death comes. Already this morning, somebody walked in and they were talking about somebody that was close to them and the person was 34 years old and just didn't wake up. Or somebody has a massive heart attack or somebody gets killed in a car accident or, or something happens or they grow old. And when people grow old, we kind of expect that they're probably going to die. But when they're young, they die, they do. People die every day. People die all through this service. I mean, not in the service, I pray. <laughs> Boy, that, that would really put an exclamation point on my preaching. I was talking to a pastor friend of mine the other day. We have this network called Pray for Montgomery that I started and I was talking to Pastor Rippey. He says, man, last weekend I was giving it to him. I was preaching the gospel, and a man died right in the middle of service. They were able to resuscitate him. He said, praise the Lord. But that just doesn't isn't something on your resume. Like how I was preaching, and many people died during my sermons. Okay, so a difficult message to preach, but the sobering truth. Uh, Jesus would say there's a broad road that leads to destruction, and many will find it, but there's a narrow road. 
a narrow path that leads to eternal life in heaven in Jesus Christ, and few will choose to walk down that road. Uh, so this morning, my, my prayer is not to scare you. Maybe it is to scare you. Maybe it's to scare the H-E hockey sticks out of you. Well, let's just go ahead and say it. Maybe it's to scare the hell out of you. I mean, that'd be okay. Some people go, well, uh, you're going to preach hell, and we're going to all come to Jesus. You know what? If that works, amen. I've been trying to love people into the kingdom, and that's probably my number one approach, but Jesus is pretty serious about this because the Bible teaches we're all wicked and we're undone. And apart from grace, we'll never make it into heaven. And let me just say this to you. There are good people today in hell. Good people, good, outstanding, religious, moral people are in hell because they do not have their sins forgiven. They were not in the person of Jesus Christ. So I have to preach this. You're like, wow, you're like uh, this warning. It's like there's, there's a drop-off around the corner, and I'm going, warning warning as you go around this corner called life and as you approach the end called death there is a reality of heaven and hell and you only get to live in one of the two places for all eternity and i'm praying god take us to heaven you know when i told you years ago from steve brown that great pastor out of key biscayne florida he goes i want to get you home with joy that is my greatest prayer that i can preach the crucified resurrected christ and get you home with joy amen but i got to talk about the other side because you don't know what you've been delivered from, what you're escaping, the little, little flames. Are... Let me get you to write this down. There's a lot of, you just need to write a lot of notes today. 167 times hell or Hades or Sheol or different things are referred to in the Scripture. Lake of fire, Sheol, pit, Hades, different things. It's the place of the, the, the departed spirits. That Hades is that temporary abode that's kind of the waiting place. It, it's it's a hell, hellish in itself. And I can't be wrong on this topic. No. You can't be wrong on the subject I'm preaching on today. It affects your eternal destiny. I have an expression I got from Ron Hutchcraft for years, and a lot of people uh, laugh when I tell them. But my prayer is that you will change your eternal address, if it isn't already heaven, that you will change it from hell to heaven. An eternal address change. That, that's the, the point of the gospel to know the living Christ, and to have your sins forgiven, to go to be with him forever. Uh, Jesus, let me put it this way, Jesus talked about hell 33 times. Find it interesting. Jesus lived on earth how many years? 33 years. Let me break it down another way for you. Jesus almost preached on hell once a month in his church. Huh? You know, 11 times a year, there's 12 months in a year. So a lot of people are like, I'm not going to Jesus' church. He talks about that hell thing too much. And I'm one that hadn't talked about hell probably in years, but this morning I just felt like, you know, hey, we, we need to talk about it. We need to get in the reality of it. We need to say, God, hell is a, write this down, hell is a place of punishment after death. It's a place of punishment. There's approaches you ignore that hell doesn't exist and you pretend but that didn't get you anywhere there's another philosophy called annihilation and basically they say you live and breathe and then you die and they put you in the ground and you are no more it just you don't exist well i don't believe that's what the scripture teaches and then there's the universalist approach and the universalists say that somehow on the end live like you are live moral many roads to god many religions do what you want to but in the end god will just fix it and he'll make it right he will not if he did, he'd go directly against his son. He'd go against the Trinity. 
just, it's not in your notes, but I want to put this down. Six Six things of hell needed in every church. A sense of a literal burning hell. We need to, you know, you're saying, well, man, this is going to be my favorite coffee meal. Well, you'll see why I'm doing this in a minute. Secondly, we need a compassion that brings tears. I talk to many people, and they weep over their lost loved ones, especially when they get sick. Because nobody wants your family member to not spend eternity with you. I love the idea that Christians never see each other for the last time, and when we die, we shall be reunited with them forever and ever in the presence of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a comforting thought. But the other side is, those that aren't in Christ don't get to go to heaven. Now, I'm just going to do this real quickly, but I'm just going to tell you, I don't like funerals where they try to preach people into heaven, and we all know they live like hell on earth. That's a hypocrisy. That's against the gospel. You don't get a second chance after you finish this life. You come to Christ now. And that's why when I've done services on this platform and in funeral homes and graveyard cemeteries, it is so awesome when they have a testimony for the Savior and we proclaim their faithfulness to the King and we rejoice and we say how good is God and how faithful they were to Him. But I've stood before many a one that I don't know their heart. But I seriously doubt, did they make it to heaven? You go, what do you do? I boast in the Son of God. I magnify the Son. I honor the family. I will say good things, but I don't try to get them into heaven because you just, it's just a farce. We need a heart that brings mercy. We need a resistance to the fire. We need a desire of communication with our Father. We need a trust that only God's plan will work. Only God's plan will save us. Jeff and the team led us in a song today. It's called Weak to Save. You remember when we all sang that? Wasn't it a great song? Weak to save. Isn't that good? What's the name of the song? No, I ain't called weak to save. What's the name of the song? Who is he? Mighty. Who is he? Who is he? Just want to make sure y'all like, I don't know, he's kind of timid. No, he's not a timid savior. No, 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 no. All right. Let's turn over to Luke. Open your Bibles to the gospel of Luke. Let's stand together. Turn to Luke 16. Here's God's holy word for this morning. Woo, this, man, this is a tough one right here. If you had not read in a long time, it might keep you up tonight. Here we go. Luke 16, starting in verse 19. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen, and he lived in luxury every day, and at his gate laid a beggar named Lazarus. Now let me say, this is not the Lazarus, the friend of Jesus that he raised. He was covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. Now, that didn't make anybody want to go eat lunch, does it? Okay, good, I got you for a while. The time came when the beggar died, and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. And the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, where he was in torment, he looked up and he saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in the water and cool my tongue because I'm in agony in this fire. But Abraham replied, Son, remember that in your lifetime you received your good things while Lazarus received bad things. But now he is comforted here, and now you're in agony. And besides all this, between us and you, I want you to underline this when you sit down in a minute, there's a great chasm has been fixed so that those who want to go from here to you cannot, nor can anyone cross over from there to us. 
He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so that they will not also come to this place of torment. And Abraham replied, Listen to this, this is critical. They have Moses and the prophets, and let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they will repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. They won't listen. May God convict us and move in our hearts by his holy word. Be seated. So here he is. This is a powerful story, and I'm going to try to unpack it in a few minutes, but 167 times in Scripture we see hell, Hades, hell, debate. Jesus talks about fire. Some 32 times we see the word fire as it refers to hell. Jesus talks of it 19 times. And, 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 and in this passage here, you see that, that one, the rich man desires comfort. In hell, people are going to desire comfort, but they will find none of it. And then he even says, could you just send Lazarus just to just the, the tip of his finger just to, to cool my tongue? I'm in so much agony. I'm in so much anguish. It, it, it's so rough here. Could I, could, could I do something? And then people ask the question, well, why did God create hell? Why did a loving God create hell? Just write down Matthew 25 and 41. But here, here's the deal. We send ourselves to hell by not repenting and believing the gospel. The Bible says that he created hell for Satan and the angels that were fallen, the demons with him, that they would be punished forever. That's why hell was created. It wasn't created for man. But for those that would reject Jesus Christ, for those that would run contrary to the gospel and they would follow the prince of this world beating Satan, that would be their eternal home. See, here's what our God did. Our God made heaven for us that would believe in the gospel. Heaven. God, in, in this scripture, he expresses concern for a family member. Hey, could you, could you send somebody to my family members? Could you warn them? Because, see, I believe right now people from hell could speak. They would say, oh, would somebody go by and just knock on the door and just warn them, just tell them about hell and how real it is and how I used to make jokes about hell on earth. Here's the classic one. Oh, hell won't be so bad, Pastor. All my buddies are going to be there. We're going to have a beer together. No, you won't. The Bible talks about separation and isolation for eternity. Oh, man, whoa. You know, today, lost ones in hell would want us to say, why didn't somebody tell me? Here's always been my fear. I'm a pastor. I'm always going to the church. People see me come and go out of my driveway. They see you come and go. They, you know, it's not like I really dress up, but they, they probably wonder where I do go if they don't. Like, what church does he preach at? But here, here's the thing. We've been watching people come and go for years and if you come to the end of your life and you made it into hell, you go, why didn't somebody tell me at school? Why didn't somebody tell me in the workplace? Why didn't my neighbor tell me? Why didn't my family member tell me about the gospel? I never will forget the first Easter I was saved. Right after I came to know Christ, I shared with everybody living, eating, breathing, whatever. I just shared. And some were coming to Christ, led my roommate to Christ two weeks after I got saved. But my family, they weren't budging. They were tough cookies. And I lined them up at the lake on the first Easter Sunday, and I blasted them with the gospel. 
and nobody believed. Everybody wept, big old tears, snot running, whatever. And then they finally said, could you pray for us? Let's eat. And it took several years before I saw the first convert in my family, and then a few more. And today there's more that are there, and there are many that aren't. But I had the courage to share the gospel. But I got to tell you, I got to be honest, I don't share the gospel near enough, and I'm sure you don't, because if you did, this place would be packed every weekend of people coming. Because if you really believe in hell, you'll share the gospel, and the church said, I believe it. See, if you don't believe there's a hell, then you're not really compelled, because you just think, well, you know, what difference does it make? All right, let me give you an illustration. If your neighbor's house is on fire, on the way home, you drive home, let's say, let's say you stop by and get something to eat. Let's say you go eat chicken, gospel bird, on the way home. And you get through eating at Guthrie's or wherever, and you go home, and you pull into your cul-de-sac, and your neighborhood's house is on fire. Man, what are you going to do? Man, there's a fire. You're going to call 911. You're going to run up to the door if possible or knock on the windows. You're going to see if anybody's home. You're going to get them out of the house. You're going to want to warn them. But let me give you a ludicrous illustration. Let's say you get through eating lunch today, you drive home, and your neighbor's house is on fire, and you just go, yeah, house is burning. Pull in the garage, put the garage door down. I go, you know what? I think I'll pray for them and say a prayer and go on in. Now, I don't want to neglect prayer. Prayer is important to sharing the gospel. We pray first, and then we tell the good news. Romans 10, just write it down. Somebody has to tell the gospel, church. We have to tell the gospel. We have to share it here. And we begin to share this story. And what else would I see here? In hell, they want to seek consolation, but there's none to be found. There's no uh, comfort there. The, the stability that we want in this life you know, there's some, uh, as Robert Morris said, there's physical properties that keep us stable. The property of light. Light helps keep you and I stable. You know, you ever got up in the middle of the night and you run over anything? And you've been in that house for a long time, but you just didn't see it this time. Light stabilizes. And it's important. The light of Christ stabilizes. But some people just choose to walk in darkness physically and spiritually. Here's another one. Things being solid on the bottom, they have a bottom in them. That causes people to uh, be strengthened, and they make it. But the Bible refers to hell that it has a bottomless pit. The, the, you're, you're like suspended there. I, I don't totally understand how that works. Here's uh, the emotional properties for being stable. Rest. You, you know when you get sick? Somebody already told me this morning. When, when you get sick, what does the doctor say? Go and exhaust yourself and see if you can wear yourself out and go to heaven. That's not what they say. They do, I get a new doctor. What does your doctor say? Go and get some rest. How, do y'all ever get tired physically, emotionally? Sure you do. And what do you do? Say, Pastor, I get some of them energy drinks and I drink them. I was somewhere the other day and somebody said, you ever had one of those? I went, nope, scared of them. They go, good. They're scared. Although I was at a place like that, they were giving them away free, and I started to get one. I, but, but, but I didn't. I think the devil was sitting there like, go ahead, try one. I, I'd, kinda, I'd just be curious what the buzz would be like, but I'm kind of scared of what it would be like. i got so much energy now. And Donna's going, pray God, i got to pray harder. Y'all join this woman in praying for her husband. 
If you haven't, you will now. Okay, I did not drink energy drink. I promise. God is my witness. I only thought about it for five seconds, and I went, no, bad thought. It must be the devil. Right now, Revelations 14, 11. Rest. The other thing is hope. In heaven, we get hope. Now, I'm going to say something I want you to hear. I can say that now. It's been a few weeks out. I used to speak a lot and lecture around the country on salvation, suicide, and sex, my three S's. And, uh, boy, it was, it was a winner. Kids love these talks. So I did a lot of study on that. And I've always been convinced that when people commit suicide, they lose all hope. And in hell, they, they've convinced them a reality of hell because hell is a place of hopelessness. Hopelessness. But the Bible teaches that Jesus Christ is the hope of all glory. Jesus is the embodiment of truth and hope. And I beg you to embrace hope this morning and experience the hope of Christ. I like what Tony Evans says. He says, what is hell? It's the place, the eternal exile of ungodly, the ungodly experience, God's just retribution against sin. Let me say it again. What is hell? It's the place of eternal exile, the ungodly experience, God's just retribution against sin. See, God is holy. And in this process, um, because he is holy, he's also just. And a lot of times we don't want to talk about a just God. I'll tell you what, you just read the Old Testament and you will see a merciful but a just and a vengeful God. And you'll see what God does with wrath. We're going to talk about that real quickly if I get there. Let me get to the first one here. Hell is a place of eternal fire. Fill it in. It's an eternal fire, a fire that's never quenched, a fire that's never consumed. Uh, matter of fact, I must have... Oh, here, I'm, 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 I'm going to go to point one. Hell is a place of destruction. Excuse me, point two is that. Here it is. Hell is a place of destruction where your soul, where, where you're just destroyed. There's, there's no life. There's no resurrection coming out of that. You, you've missed it. You've not embraced Christ. There's eternal torment. Matthew 10, 28, write it down there. Who can destroy the soul and the body here? Matthew 18, 8 through 9. If the hand or your foot causes you, you to sin, cut it off. It's better to enter into eternal life than to be maimed and to go to, or to not be maimed and go to hell. Man, you don't want to miss this. Matthew 22, 13. They're thrown outside into destruction. All through the gospel, you begin to see they've abandoned by God. They, they, they find destruction. A better word would be they're ruined. And hell is just not a happy place. I don't like to talk about it. This is not like fire my soul up to go. Would your preacher talk about it today? Hell. Hell. Oh, man, well, well, I bet that was fun. But you know what? If it causes you to keep out of hell, because here's the thing. When you face the Father God at the great white throne judgment, you're going to want to know that your sins were forgiven and that you found Jesus Christ and you will live in paradise forever. And you'll be glad. My pastor preached the gospel. He didn't believe that nonsense about universalism or annihilation or everybody just finds your own little road. That is so opposite of the gospel. Let me just say it this way. Repent and believe the gospel. Let's move on. Number two. Hell here is a place of eternal fire. That's what I was talking about. The fire's not quenched. It, it, it torments forever. Fire's used 27 times. The evil and the righteous in the scripture, the Bible says they're separated. The sheep from the goats. Luke 3, 17, write it down. Burn up the chaff with the unquenchable fire. Revelation 14, 10. He will be terminated with burning sulfur. Revelation 20, 10. 
devil who has deceived them throws them to the lake of fire, the burning sulfur. Revelation 20, 14, tormenting day and night, death and Hades into the lake of fire forever. Ugh. Revelation 20, 15, the name is not found in the book of life. They're thrown into the lake of fire. You're like, man, Jesus is kind of strong in his language. He is. Let me go back to this passage in Luke 16. Some have said, well, it's just an allegory. It's just a parable. It's just a story. It is not. He names specific people. He gives them names. Lazarus. There was a specific rich man. Hell is a sobering reality. In the doctrine of hell and eternal punishment, nobody really enjoys preaching it. I mean, if you enjoy preaching this, you're sick. But you're not true to the gospel if you won't preach the whole counsel of God. It's like if you go to the, let's say you go to the doctor this week. You've been having a headache. Your doctor finds out you've got a serious problem. Your doctor says you've got cancer, but your doctor says, I want to give you two aspirin. Go home and I hope you feel better and you die in six weeks. Would your family be happy with that physician? Would he be happy? Would your family be happy? I don't think so. There'd probably be a major lawsuit going on. You know what I'm saying? Well, it's like this. If, if I don't teach about hell, then you're like, wow, we never knew. We never knew there was a literal hell because popular thought will always come. In, in, in the scripture, it's Gehenna, and it's the south side gates of Jerusalem. And in Gehenna, it is a place of the garbage dump, and that's where the fires burn, and that's where they, they put the garbage out. And they also put the diseased people and the poor people that didn't have a place to be buried, and they would burn them. And the Bible talks about hell is where the fires never quench and the worm never dies. It's grotesque. I mean, I, I didn't write this. this. This is the truth of Jesus here. But it all kind of goes back to a passage in 2 Kings or over in the book of Kings when, uh, with, uh, King, uh, when they go to Malek, there is the kids were invited to walk. Literally, they would sacrifice their children and they would walk into the fire alive. And there would be screaming and gnashing and welling of teeth. And that's why when we read the scripture about the, the wailing and the weeping and the gnashing of teeth that comes out of this, it's a biblical reason for this. And man, they were sacrificing these kids to an un, a false god, but kids wept. And I go, oh God, help us to avoid that place. Let's look at the next one. Hell is a place of a fiery furnace. Still that sense, uh, that tone there of burning and, and judgment and the devil is eventually cast into the lake of fire. Hell is a place where wrath is poured out. I want you to listen to this real quick. Wrath is poured out. The wrath of God is poured out. You say, well, I didn't know God was, had a wrath. Well, you see, here's the deal. If we don't repent and obey the gospel, then wrath comes. Because I want you to write down, wrath is God's justice. And for me and you to think that we can elevate our mind before a holy God, that is called arrogance. He can do what he wants to do because he is God. And the church said, he's God. You're not going to change him. He's God. He's perfect. But man, what a loving Savior. What a faithful Christ. And he, he doesn't want us to go there. So the Bible talks about, here it is coming up in a few weeks, on the cross at Golgotha, God pours out all his wrath upon the Son, all the sin and the wickedness, and Jesus took it all. And the Bible says, Hamas about thee, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? And God turned his back on the Son because he couldn't stand to see the pain and the suffering. But Jesus hung in on the cross, and I'm so glad he did. 
And he took your pain and my pain and my shame and my guilt and my sin, and he suffers for it. And Jesus takes on all that wrath. But if we choose not to believe and receive God's payment, then we have to suffer that. So wrath is infinite, stored up. The, I was reading the other day in the Scripture, and it says uh, he stores it up for the great day of the Lord. You read about the great day of the Lord. It's trembling. And in Romans, uh, uh, this next verse here, let's look here quickly. What if God, although choosing to show his wrath and make his power known, bore with great patience the objects of his wrath prepared for destruction? Write down Romans 9.22, begin to look at this. Romans 2.8, but for those who are self-seeking and those who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be, there will be what? What? Wrath and what? You're saying, wait a minute. I love, God is love. God is a daisy. What? He is awesome. He is love. His love has drawn me. His love keeps me. But he's a God of wrath. And sometimes we've lost that. I, I have to apologize for this contemporary movement. But it ain't just a contemporary. Then you got other movements. They just don't even believe in hell or talk about it anymore. So we got to believe the gospel. He will punish those who do not know God and do not obey the gospel of the Lord Jesus. That's 2 Thessalonians 1.8. If we don't believe the gospel and obey it, we get to face it. You're like, wow, Keith, this is, this is really tough. Yeah, it, it's tough. Hell is a place of eternal punishment for the unrepentant. I just want you to hear this. For those that, that don't believe the gospel, there's an eternity of punishment and pain and suffering. I, I don't have a slide on the next. I just wrote you a line, torment means. When you look at the word torment in the Greek, there's three meanings. I want you to write down on this line. Just, uh, it'll help you. It means to describe acute pain from a debilitating disease, there is great heaviness and anguish. Another definition would be, it describes a rack of torture that was when the people were spread out to the point that they would be pierced, but there would be great torment. And the third would be, the fire is hot enough to purify the gold, to melt the gold, and as the gold is heated, the, the dross is all raised to the surface. This torment, this fire, oh God, it's pain being separated from a holy God. You see, let me say it this way this morning. If you don't believe in hell, then what do you believe in here? Hello? If you don't believe in hell, then why believe in heaven? Why believe in the resurrection? I mean, this is not a pick and choose book. Has anybody figured that out yet? Now, I got to tell you, I got my favorite passages, you know, and I love them. But you can't pick and choose. you got to believe the whole counsel of God. That's what I want to say to our body. Let's be people of one book, of one Lord, of one God, of one baptism, of the Lord Jesus Christ, and exalt him over his church. Lord, I believe the gospel. I believe the gospel. You're like, wow, Pastor. Let me, let me show you this one quickly. A lake of fire. It's a second death. You ever heard the saying, fill it in? that you, uh, you're born once, you do what? You die twice. We're born once, we die twice. In other words, there's a physical birth, and then we, we die again. Or look at this one. We're born twice. We're born physically, and we're born what? Spiritually. John 3, write it down. Jesus is talking to Nick at night. Nicodemus. Okay. Anyway. Oh, good. Some of you got it. He's talk, I'm trying to lighten it up, man. I got you like, man, you're scared. Like, man, I don't want to go to hell. I'm afraid to say anything. No. So he's talking to Nick. He says, Nick, you need to be born again. Huh? 
Enter my mom's womb. No, Nick, you don't get it. You need to be born of the Spirit. So we have to be born again. So we, we're born once, we die twice. We, we're born twice, we die once. And the church said, man, I believe that. I believe the gospel. You're dead, you come alive. There's no second chance. Let, let, let me put it this way. Examine yourself to see whether you be in the faith would say the Apostle Paul to you and me this morning. Just right here, does your life bear resemblance to Jesus? Does your life bear fruit? Is there a transformation? Is there a pattern that you're following after Christ? Not that you're perfect. We sin. We need a Savior. But you're becoming like Christ. You're pursuing Him. I never will forget when I was in youth ministry. I don't remember the person, and it was many years ago, so you couldn't figure it out, and I can't, but there was a Jewish girl in our community that died. And our teenagers came in. Some of them had gone to the funeral. They knew her, and they said, Keith, we have to ask you a question. We didn't understand that there's a second opportunity for the Jews to get into heaven. I said, what are you talking about? They said, at the funeral today, the rabbi said, you know David? Oh, yeah, I love David. Love King David. Been to his tomb. He says, David is going to take the Jewish people, and he is going to get an opportunity a second time to present the Jews to Jesus, and they can receive the gospel. So that's not what the Bible teaches. There's no second chance after your heart stops beating. You have to believe on this side. Now is the day. Now is the acceptable time of salvation. Don't harden your heart. Hear the gospel. Believe the goodness of Christ. Receive him this morning. In Hebrews 9, 27, write it down. Just as man is destined to die once and after that to face judgment. I couldn't sleep if I didn't think and know that I have my sins covered by the precious blood of Christ and that I'm in Christ. And that's my prayer is that you're in Christ, that you know Christ, you know you have eternal life in the Son. Hell also, quickly, is the place of weeping and gnashing of teeth as I related to earlier. You understand that from the Guiana, the, the wailing, the gnashing. It's, oh, it's, it's just so hard to even think about this. Uh, you don't want anybody to go there. That was a common Jewish person's image of hell, of how hard it would be, how separate. Uh, Matthew 13, 42, they will throw them into the fiery furnace where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth, Matthew 13, 42. Oh, Jesus, that's a tough place. And then hell is a, a bottomless pit. Grace is over. There's no more opportunity to receive Christ. I want to share with you this morning a thing that I've carried in my Bible over the years. I've had it taped in different ones. It's called My Friend. Somebody gave this to me many years ago. And I want you to hear this. My friend, I stand in judgment now and feel that you're to blame somehow. While on this earth, I walk with you by day and never did you point the way. You knew the Lord in truth and glory, but you never did tell the story. My knowledge then was very dim. You could have led me safe to him. Though we live together here on earth, you never told me of the second birth. And now I stand this day condemned because you failed to mention him. You taught me many things that's true, and I called you friend, and I trusted you. But now I've learned that it's too late. You could have kept me from this fate. I'll walk by day. I'll walk by day and talk by night, and yet you showed me not the light. 
You let me live and love and die, and you knew that I never live on high. Yes, I called your friend in life and trusted you through joy and strife, and now I come to this end. That's the good news of Jesus, is that we believe him and that I pray out of today that you get a stirring in your soul. In hell, there's no more stirring. There's no more drawing to the throne. Our hearts, we, we've made our decision. We, our mighty to God saved. That season is over. We, we've missed it. But this morning, God calls to you and me. You know, this morning, if you choose not to believe that, you have that opportunity. You, you could do that. You could reject the gospel. But hear this. You'll choose to trample the blood of Jesus Christ. But you could say, now, now, today, I believe. Today, I respond to the gospel call. I hear him calling my voice. I hear him calling my name. I hear him calling me to be his child. Today, I receive Jesus Christ. Our fruits prove that we're saved. Our fruits, our works don't save us. They just are one way that proves that we've been transformed, that we've received Christ. In Mark 8, 36, it says we could gain the whole world and yet lose our own soul. But I want to show you a blessed hope. In my father's house, there are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I'm going there to prepare a place for you. This morning, Jesus Christ is here, and he wants you to believe. He wants you to trust. He wants you to embrace the Son by faith and have eternal life. Will you bow your heads with me? That's the gospel call to me and to you, to every one of us. I pray today that you would just be open and that you would say, Keith, I don't know if my sins are forgiven. I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know that I've really trusted Christ. Man, today would be a great day to respond in prayer. But man, salvation is so much more than a prayer. It's repentance. You turn from sin and you believe the gospel. You believe the good news of Jesus. You trust him. Bow your heads. Lord Jesus, today I come to the end of this morning and the sobering truth of the scriptures has been proclaimed that there's a heaven and there's a hell and you have died that we might escape and not neglect such a great salvation as yours. I pray that today, Lord Jesus, that many in this room, many that even listen by airwaves would believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They would believe, they would experience, they would embrace, they would enter into a full life in Christ. And they would call upon the name of Jesus and they would be saved. This morning, would you just cry out to Jesus, Jesus, save me. Jesus, change me. Jesus, have your way in my heart. I will follow you because I believe the gospel. Give me new life today, Jesus.